Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number 269 of the ETPHD team podcast with myself talking to you about one of the greatest questions, not of our entire lives, but certainly one of the questions I've been asked most in my entire life. So I'm quite surprised I haven't done this as a podcast before. I actually checked because I thought, this seems like an extremely helpful podcast, Amelia. Why wouldn't you have done it before when you're so efficient? But alas, yet again, I did not exceed my expectations. I did the opposite. I just can't think of what that word is right now. So, 10 steps to honouring your hunger and fullness. A lot of people who start to work with us feel that they don't trust their bodies, that they, when we say, okay, we're going to work on honouring your hunger, it feels quite scary. And as part of the ETBHD method, we have created quite a structured approach to developing this on a one-to-one basis. But what I am going to do is is kind of condense the ETPHD method that we use into the next 20 minutes or so, so that you can start to implement some of this stuff for yourself. A lot of you will have a fear of hunger. A lot of you will have a fear of fullness. Sometimes our fear of hunger can come from maybe past experience of whenever we allow ourselves to get too hungry we overeat or we binge eat and so we almost eat um, beyond beyond fullness or when we're not hungry as a means to avoid getting that hungry. Sometimes we can have a fear of hunger because of dieting and memories of dieting or experiences with dieting or maybe it's something more ingrained from when we were younger maybe some food scarcity for example and on top of that sometimes we have this fear of fullness maybe you are someone who used to binge and you um when you got to a certain level of fullness that often triggered you then to overeat or to binge eat Or again, there might be something more ingrained around fullness. And it makes sense that we have this kind of lack of trust in these internal cues, diet culture and societal expectations and people-pleasing. These all convince us not to honour our own hunger and fullness. We compare to other people, we eat to be polite, we are taught all of these apparent tricks and tips to minimise hunger and to um, to do certain things when we feel hunger away from eating. And now, you know, I remember memes and posts when social media kind of first took off and all the things you can do when you're hungry that are n- not eating. It's just ingrained in us that we, that, that hunger is almost a bad thing. And a lot of you 
feel guilty when your hunger fluctuates, feel guilty when you eat to fullness. And so you don't want to do it. But in order to have that quote unquote healthy relationship with food, it is imperative that you learn to honour your hunger and fullness. We know that people who honour their hunger and fullness and eat in this more of an intuitive way tend to have or tend to experience lower disordered eating scores and more positive body image. So learning to trust yourself, learning to honour your hunger and fullness is really, really important. Some of you listening to this will say, well, I'm just a foodie, so I can never just stop at one. You can, and you're not just a foodie. I am a foodie. Many of the, t- the coaches on the team are foodies. Many of the people that you see in your space are foodies. And, you know, from personal experience, I didn't used to be able to just stop at one. You can, and deciding that you are a foodie and you can just never stop at one is one of the reasons why you can't just stop at at one. So hopefully this episode, in fact, I know this episode is going to challenge your narrative around this. And if you put these things into place, which I urge you to do, so take notes in your phone, in your journal, wherever you want to take notes, take notes and action these things. You can listen to it all you want, but if you're not going to action it, then it's kind of pointless. The most important thing to do first is to start eating regularly for some time. Many of you will be in a phase where you've been doing this for a while and that is great. But some of you will be overeating or binge eating. And one of the fundamental things when you're in this situation is to start eating regularly and create this regular eating pattern first and foremost. Because your hunger signals will likely be dysregulated. And so honouring your hunger and fullness when you have this dysregulated hunger is not necessarily the optimal way to go. Over time, you'll begin to reduce your reliance, but most likely not eradicate these regular mealtimes. But for now, eating regularly to establish this quote-unquote baseline is really, really important. Incorporating all macronutrients into each meal, having probably three meals, two to three snacks a day, eating every three to four hours-ish super important and I know some of you are listening to this thinking I'll just skip that step don't skip that step don't skip that step number two regulate yourself before you eat this will look like potentially some breath work some grounding tools maybe you will do some breath work with longer exhales What longer exhales relative to inhales allows us to do is that it causes the vagus nerve to send a signal to your brain, which activates the parasympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for rest and digest. This supports digestion because, like I said, this parasympathetic nervous system kind of controls our digestive tract. And so this type of breathing helps to not only activate that parasympathetic nervous system, but also helps to ease the sympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for that fight, flight or freeze response. So when you're doing this kind of self-regulation, it only has to take a minute. But when you're doing this type of self-regulation before you eat, this is really helpful to center you, to bring you to this present moment, to reduce any stress response, which is really important if you are having a really stressful day or you've just finished training, or you've just put the kids to bed, and 
you are maybe slightly, you've got that slightly heightened response, that slightly heightened arousal for optimal digestion to help um, reconnect with your body, reduce activation of certain parts of our brain that are responsible for interceptive awareness, responsible for kind of recognizing these hunger and fullness cues. In order for that to happen, we need to bring down that fight or flight response just a little bit. So regulating yourself is really important. Number three, start to get curious about your own physical hunger cues. What does your stomach feel like when it's hungry? What do your energy levels feel like when you're hungry? What's your mood like? What's your concentration like? Here you can use the hunger scale and you could do this throughout the day. So this is something that we will use with our clients. Rate your hunger at different times throughout the day from one to 10. Some people have, people use a hunger scale in like alternate ways. Some people will say like 10 is really hungry. Some will say 10 is really full. I say rate your hunger for different points throughout the day. One being not hungry at all, 10 being very hungry. It doesn't really matter as long as you're consistent with this. And maybe you do this before meals, um, regularly throughout the day. It doesn't matter as long as you're doing it, um, you keep checking in with yourself. And rate, like where on the scale you usually feel hungry and notice at what ratings these feelings are nice, pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. So you might think that, okay, usually before a meal I like to be at a, between a four and a seven. When I get to an eight or a nine on the hunger scale, this is vile, I'm hungry, I'm uncomfortable, I can't concentrate, I'm thinking about what I want to eat and I'm getting irritable, for example. Um, one might be when you're super full and you actually, that also doesn't feel great because um, you're overly full, but we're gonna talk a little bit about fullness in a little bit. So you really need to start to get curious about what physical hunger feels like for you. No one can tell you. I could say your stomach is probably gonna grumble because that's something that ghrelin does. I could say that your mood might get a little bit irritable. I could tell you your energy levels low, but realistically, you want to start getting curious about what that feels like for you. What does it feel like in your body? What does it feel like in your mind? What does it feel like in your energy levels? So just get curious about this throughout your day. Check in with your body before, halfway through and after a meal. So a good way to do this is to pick a meal that you feel able to eat mindfully, be present and um, are able to do so without too many distractions. And so you can use your hunger scale here before you start to eat your meal and think, okay, where am I on, where am I on the hunger scale, on a scale of one to 10? Or you might just say, okay, how does my hunger feel in my body right now? And then halfway-ish through your meal, put your cutlery down, pause and ask yourself, how does this feel in my body? How hungry do I feel? Remember, it takes time for digestion. So you are going to have to eat mindfully, which is the next point, but coming back to this. Um, take your time with this. Halfway through, ask yourself, how does this feel in my body? Am I still enjoying this food? Remove this obligation that you have to finish your plate. And here, at this point, check in with stomach fullness or body fullness. What does this feel like to you? Can you notice any changes 
in the pressure in your stomach? Can you notice any feelings of constriction, of digestion? Are you still enjoying that food? And what's happened to those signs and signals of hunger that you had at the start of the meal? And again, do this after you've finished. Keep in mind that the hungrier you are when you start eating, the higher your fullness number is likely to be when you stop. And this is one reason why eating regularly is really important. If you're really, really hungry, it's likely that you're going to eat past fullness when you do eat. This kind of restriction overeat cycle that you're in, part of the problem is this restriction. And I'm not even talking about... um, um, what's, what's the right word here? I'm not talking about, you know, uh, clinical binge eating or significant binge eating. I'm just even talking about eating more than you would like, eating more that, than what aligns with your goals. You're doing that still because you're allowing yourself to get too hungry before you have that meal. Remember though, it's also okay to eat past fullness sometimes, especially if something is absolutely delicious. Sometimes when people are doing this work and they're starting to honour their hunger and fullness, it's like, oh, I was kind of mindful, but I definitely ate past fullness when I was eating that stuffed crust barbecue-based pizza that I absolutely love. Of course you did, because you absolutely love it and it's delicious and that's totally okay. Be really careful not to take these guidelines and then make them into new rules. Number five, eat mindfully, like I said. Remove any disruptors to your ability to eat that meal mindfully. And I don't mean your children. You're not going to always sit down at a table with zero distractions and be able to take your time. It's just not feasible. But hopefully you can have maybe a meal a day where you are really present in what you're doing and you can include your your kids in this. You can ask them how hungry they feel. Ask them to, to say, oh, what tastes do you notice in your food? What textures do you notice in your foods? Um... You can say, like, how how does your tummy feel? Now, this is obviously going to be age-dependent. You might want to say that to your partner. Who knows? But try and have at least one meal a day where you, you, you take your time. You are noticing all your senses with that, that food and with that meal. And like I said, you're checking in with hunger before, midway through and after. But you can also bring mindfulness just even if you're eating on the go. You know, if I'm eating a protein bar in the car, for example... I'm still thinking about what it tastes like. I'm still noticing that I'm taking a bite. These types of things you can still do, um, even if they're not quote-unquote optimal, if we're looking at having a very kind of strict mindful meal, but we don't need to have this strictness. Sorry, there was a giant echo there because my slipper fell off my shoe and landed on my desk, so I apologise for that. Number six, learn to satisfy your hunger. How many times have you said, oh, I can't believe I'm still hungry, and you've had a vegetable stir-fry cooked in fry light with some lean chicken breast for dinner? Of course you still feel hungry. You might have stomach fullness, but you're probably still, well, not everyone, but you probably, if you feel like this, are not satisfied being stomach full will not necessarily stop you from being hungry and this is often when people say oh I eat tons and tons but I'm still hungry 
you're maybe not satisfied, you're maybe not including all of the macros into your meals, you're not considering, maybe you're only considering food volume, or you're not considering food volume, macros, taste, preferences, do you like sweet, do you like savoury, do you want sweet? Ask yourself in the moment, before you have something to eat, like, what do I actually want in this moment? Now again, let's be realistic here. You might be on the move you might have prepped your meals for the day because you're out working in the office and then you've got errands to run and you eat what you've got and, and that of course that that's life like i said none of this is like a a science but if you're working at home or you've got the kids and you're going out for food ask yourself what do i actually want not what i sh- quote unquote should have but what do i want i remember At one point in my competing time, I was eating like 20 plus servings of fruit and vegetables a day. And even in my off season, it was ludicrous. We think that it's, we always think more is health, is better and healthier. And especially with this narrative at the moment of like pushing plant-based foods, which are very important and very supportive of our health, um, but above and beyond everything else, If you're cramming your diet with tons, like a really high food volume, it is unlikely that you're going to get sufficient um, dietary fat and carbohydrates and protein and taste and also not eat past a feeling of below. Feelings of like the stomach expansion can make you feel like you don't enjoy fullness, but that's probably because you have this stomach... um, the the volume you don't enjoy the big volume that you're consuming because it can be uncomfortable if you're having too much volume um but again you're still not fully enjoying your meals it's not because you're eating too much it's because you're not looking at that all-rounded um satisfying meal structure for you stop comparing to other people and manage your expectations you'll definitely notice yourself doing this when you think you should or shouldn't have something Maybe you're out with your friends and you think, well, if they're having fries, then I'm going to have fries. But if they're not, then I'm not going to have that. Or you eat with your boyfriend who you think, well, he should be eating more because he's bigger than me. And yet here's here's me eating just as much as him. I shouldn't be doing this. So maybe I should stop eating halfway through because this is too much. You're looking at all of these external things rather than actually checking in with your body. And everybody has got different needs. Your only responsibility is to listen to your body and your needs and your hunger and your fullness will change sometimes. So example, you might find certain days of your period or your menstrual cycle, you're hungrier or less hungry. We know that BMR tends to increase in the five days-ish before you bleed. Stress will impact this, your energy expenditure, just general variation. You don't always have to pathologize natural variations in hunger but you often do this when you compare to other people or you compare to what you expect to be like why do you have this expectation of your hunger to be exactly the same every single day and why do you have this expectation of your hunger to be less than or more than someone else or it might be that you expect it to look like roughly this many thousand calories because that's how many calories you think that you should have All of these expectations and comparisons are leaving you to 
question your hunger and fullness or not even listen to your hunger and fullness. So stop asking, why am I so hungry? Because you don't always need a reason for this normal, natural fluctuation in your hunger. The problem is in the questioning of it and the pathologizing of it rather than the actual hunger itself. Number eight, learn to say no. It's not rude to say you're full. It's not rude. Think about all of the times that you've said yes because you think it's being polite. It's not rude to say to somebody, that was absolutely delicious, thank you so much, I'm, I'm so full. I did it recently in an environment where I really was trying to make people like me. <laughs> because that's what we do even at 37. And someone had cooked a meal for me and she'd made especially some vegetarian uh, protein for me, which was very kind, but made so much of it. And she said, oh, you've not eaten very much. And I said, no, I'm fine, I've eaten enough. And she said, oh, have some more, have some more. And I could feel myself going, well, maybe I should just have a little bit. No, it's not rude to say no. Shockingly, she didn't dislike me because I didn't eat any more of the vegetarian protein. It's not a reason to keep eating. There are lots of ways you can get around saying no whilst being extra polite. No, I'm full, but thank you so much. We can keep it in the fridge and I'll have it for leftovers tomorrow. No, I'm full, thank you so much. That was so good. If you're not gonna eat it tomorrow because you're not vegetarian, I'll definitely take it home with me and have it tomorrow. Lots of ways around it. Learn to recognize emotional hunger as well as physical hunger. Emotional hunger might look like having cravings for certain foods. It might occur at times when you're not usually hungry or you're not objectively hungry. So, for example, you might feel hungry after you've had a large meal with all of the macronutrients mindfully and then like half an hour later you feel hungry. That might be a sign of emotional hunger. There's obviously nothing wrong with eating for emotional hunger sometimes and I actually did it yesterday in the car. Not in the car, I stopped at a service station and then I had my Burger King that I was craving, which I wouldn't normally crave, but I definitely was craving it. And I thought, oh, it's because I probably am a bit sad because of, not not the major, I'm a bit bit sad and I'm in the car and it's a long drive, I've got time to think about this. This is why I'm craving this food. But do you know what? What I was actually craving was fries. But what instead I got was a veggie burger meal because I needed the protein, because I knew that that would be satisfying and reduce my want to then emotionally eat the chocolates that I also had in my car. A bit of emotional eating is fine, but you have to learn to recognise what this emotional hunger feels like versus what does your physical hunger feel like. Number 10, do a regular somatics practice to help you reconnect with your body. It's very difficult to honour your hunger and fullness when you don't trust your body and you don't think that you can listen to her or you feel that she's failed you in some way or you feel disconnected because of a regular cycle of overeating and restriction, because of dieting, because of um, being in a larger body than you would like, because of being in a smaller body than you would like, because of excessive control of your food, of your body. When you are in these states, it's very difficult to allow yourself to trust her. I would really recommend you listen to episode 262 with Katie if you haven't already for some example exercises but this might look like um, regular yoga practice and with yoga I think sometimes we think it needs to be like this hour-long class realistically with yoga you're better off doing just 10 minutes throughout the week 
three times a week or something, then you are trying to do like this massive class once a week and then making it a big deal. Meditation, body scans, mindful moments, time in nature without distractions. What we really want is to include these moments in our day where we're tapping into ourselves and then coming back to one of the first points of having that check-in before a meal that's a somatic practice coming back into your body taking some breaths noticing how you feel in your body so doing something like this regularly I would ideally recommend you do it once a day at least doing something like this or not everything and like I said it can be a couple of minutes sometimes it's just taking deep breaths at your job I remember I shared a post once and it was along the lines of numbers to help heal your relationship with food or optimal relationship with food and I got some backlash around the excessive amount that I'd put in there when realistically when I say things like yoga when I say things like body scans or meditation or somatic work these things can literally just take a couple of minutes each day and this type of work will help you learn to trust your body again and reconnect with her as a side note to all of this stuff there are times when honoring your hunger and fullness isn't the right thing to do if you're regularly binge eating, if you're experiencing lectin resistance, um, which by the way you can't test for but can occur if you are in a larger body and as a result of this your hunger and fullness is dysregulated. If you experience hunger dysregulation, so maybe again you've been chronically dieting or chronically um, underweight. If you're in HA recovery, hypothalamic amenorrhea recovery, you might have to eat in a bit of a surplus. If you're experiencing chronic stress or heartbreak, stress, for example, can activate, like I said, this part of the brain that's responsible for interceptive awareness. So this leads us to be less able to recognise our internal cues. So there are certain times when just honouring your hunger and fullness isn't optimal. So we have to be mindful of these things. And this isn't a rule book. You are allowed to eat past fullness sometimes. You're also allowed to sit with hunger. But going through life hungry and afraid of fullness is no way to live you will continue to be preoccupied by food you will often be irritable you will often have low energy eating until you're full and genuinely full and satisfied is one of the few ways that you can really build this mutual trust with your body obviously this takes time this takes practice this takes patience this takes focus that can sometimes feel like you're moving from one food preoccupation to a new one but again you're just learning a new skill and as you become more consciously competent in the skill it will require less effort and patience and intention there's always a feeling at this and sometimes you're going to eat past fullness sometimes you're going to eat when you're distracted or when you're watching tv that's totally fine this is about learning to reconnect with your body and if this podcast has taught you anything it's that it's not about being perfect. It's definitely not. And there is no quote-unquote right way to do things. This is some of the methods that we use with ETPHD, like I said, and I've culminated it into 20 minutes. Um, that's not necessarily going to give you everything that you possibly need when it comes to learning to honour your hunger and fullness again. If you've spent years and years and years doing the opposite. Obviously, if you want more specific support, drop me a message or use the link in the show notes. And... I will talk to you about how we use this on a one-to-one basis so that you never have to be going through this work again, so that you never have to be scared of listening to your body, scared of eating to hunger, scared of eating to fullness because of what it might do to your body. 
because that's no way to live. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, if you did, please do feel free to like, share, subscribe and review. And if you would like to chat to me, then you can find details of my Instagram in the show notes.